We have on the line, joining us from uh, Alberta, Heather exner Pirot, who is a senior fellow with the McDonald Laurier Institute, who wrote a piece in the National Post the other day entitled, Canada is Hoarding Its Resources. Our allies have noticed. Heather, good morning and welcome. Good morning. It's good of you to join us today. A very uh, interesting piece you wrote. It all has to deal with the visit by German Chancellor Olaf Scholz to Canada over the past few days. Your opening sentence in the piece is, uh, when the Chancellor was in Canada this week, and you'd be forgiven for thinking, based on the agenda for his visit, that Germany has an urgent hydrogen shortage it needs to solve. And, of course, you go on to point out that that is not the case at all. And, in fact, for many, many months behind the scenes, Germany has been pressuring Canada, Heather, for liquefied natural gas. So why the hydrogen deal? Put the two pieces together, if indeed you can. I mean, the short answer is Canada can't commit to building an energy plant. has recently announced the emissions of think it's bad for their base. Heather, uh, can I just can I just get you to hold for a second, please? The the quality of the cell call that we're, we're receiving you on is terrible. So what I'm going to ask you to do is hang up, please. And uh, Phil, oh, there, Phil, well, he's already on the line. We, we, it's just unfortunate. We this happens sometimes. It's live radio, friends. Uh, we we I just have a terrible connection. We're in southern Alberta with Heather Exner Pirot, uh, and uh, we need to just uh, try and refresh that call. Uh, the, the piece, of course, deals with Chancellor Sh- uh, uh, Schultz uh, coming to Canada looking for liquefied natural gas. And as Heather goes on to point out in her article, uh, the the it is next to impossible possible to get pipelines and export terminals built in this country. Uh, and this, of course, is what Germany and many other uh, of our allies have come to realize, uh, that it, while we may be one of the largest possessors of resources like liquefied natural gas on the planet, we have a, a, a government that isn't interested in sharing said resources. Heather, are you back with us now? Uh, there we go. Okay, good stuff. So let's talk a little bit more, and, and, and I, I, I apologize for that, but uh, I'm going to just get you to repeat what you were talking about in terms of the, uh, the expectation uh, uh, that we were led to believe Germany was coming here to do a deal for hydrogen, and the real truth of the matter, which was Germany was here looking for liquefied natural gas, which we aren't prepared to deliver. Pick it up from there, if you would, Heather, please. Yeah, and I think that's the key question is we're not prepared to deliver it. It doesn't align with the Liberals' climate goals. Only two or three months ago, they announced a 42% emissions reduction uh, cap, which means that you, you, you cannot build a single new oil or gas or, or a plant otherwise. And so I think they were able to convince the Germans or, you know, bring them along that we could announce some hydrogen uh, plants. I mean, the Germans, the coalition also includes Greens. They are very interested in hydrogen. Uh, but obviously their short-term urgent needs this winter, but for the next few winters, uh, is, is liquefied natural gas as they get off their dependence from Russia. Indeed. Well, of course, the Germans have done no, themselves no favors either in the past few years of the Merkel uh, chancellery. Uh, she was very adamantly anti-nuclear, and so they disassembled. They took down a lot of their nuclear capability, nuclear power-delivering capabilities, uh, and, and instead opted to receive Russian gas uh, as an exchange. And, and so now, with Russian gas being at a premium, 
them and, and weaponized for uh, the conflict in Ukraine, Germany has no nuclear resources to fall back on. And they're really hooped, aren't they, Heather? Well, I mean, they are. And, and we can debate, you know, what led to this, you know, the energy wind in, in Germany and the policies that led to this. And, and some of the blind spots that we frankly Canada. The difference is we're a net exporter of energy, and so we will never feel the pain they are. But but the Germans are hurting, and it's trickling over across the entire continent. Maybe nowhere worse than in the United Kingdom right now, actually. So, you know, we can, we can sit here and criticize their green policies, and we should, and we should avoid them for ourselves. But the fact is, uh, you know, our European allies are hurting very badly. It will affect their economies. It will affect the global economy. Indeed. Uh, and the nuclear uh, argument in Canada, I think, can take a lot of lessons from the example of Germany. Uh, but let's move on to the to the issue at hand, which, of course, is the law as as passed and implemented by the current government, which essentially renders us useless as a producer to say nothing of being a deliverer of goods. These laws, of course, are changeable, but not likely by this government. So is it going to take uh, a change of government if at all, by way of changing the laws and being able to help our allies in times of crisis? So so the, the biggest barrier probably is the Impact Assessment Act. This is C-69 that people remember we were protesting a few years ago. And it was, yeah, I think Kenny called it the No More Pipelines Bill. Right, and that's right. roughly accurate. But what people don't realize is, is, is it diminished investor and producer appetite development, um, transmission, new so uh, it, it, it's not just no more new pipelines, it's no more everything. In fact, it takes about 12 years in Canada right now to get a new, a new mine belt from, from Greenfield. Uh, so it's going to be very difficult to have, a, a, you know, the critical minerals needed to make the batteries for the electric vehicles that they say we, we want to be driving in 2030 when the mines literally don't exist yet. So, and, and then there's the transportation. It's, it's not just pipelines, it's railroads, it's ports. It's everything. It's become too hard to build, too expensive. Uh, investors are not interested. Will it change with, you know, a, a new Polyev government or a Share government? Probably. But for these projects, they take 8, 10, 12 years sure. to do. Sure. There's a good chance that there will be another government coming in before they're complete anyways. And so there's just too much risk. Both sides, all sides in Canada have to agree that we need to be able to build. Well, let's talk about hydrogen, which is what the Trudeau government wants us to talk about rather than the resources that we're all sitting on that we're unwilling to share with our allies. Let's talk about hydrogen. We have none. So what is this agreement actually about, Heather? Well, I got no quarrel for hydrogen in the medium term. It will probably be a useful transition fuel. Uh, Alberta and B.C. have the cheapest natural gas in the world right now because we can't export it, sadly. However, it makes it it makes it very easy for us to produce blue hydrogen. So pretty much no zero emissions um, fuel by taking natural gas and just sequestering the carbon when you produce it into hydrogen. I think you know we already have some billion dollar blue hydrogen deals in the West. We can transport ammonia by rail, ship it to Japan. Japan's investing. California wants it. So there is there is potential. People in the industry are excited about hydrogen in the medium term. Right. But obviously, it will take decades. Uh, to develop the market, to develop the demand side, the the production, the storage, the transportation, uh, and as you know, it's, it's kind of a, a long-term aspirational goal. So while I got no quarrel with the green hydrogen coming from Newfoundland, right. it will be a very expensive energy for for a decade or more, and will not solve Europe's problems at all. 
And in the short term, though, Heather, this is this is where, uh, where your article focuses, because, of course, as you've already mentioned a few times, and it's not just Germany or the UK, it's all of Europe, France, Latvia, where we have Canadian troops stationed and so on. Uh, the, the fact is that Europe has become utterly dependent on Russian fuel for its fires. And uh, this this is going to be a pretty ugly winter, don't you think? It's going to be pretty ugly winters. There's no, you know, people say, oh, we can't do anything for four years. What is the magic solution they think is going to come in four years from now? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we better start preparing for 2027. And that's what the German Chancellor was trying to do. And let me tell you, Europe is still pretty, obviously, a wealthy continent. Mm-hmm. So now they're going up all the other natural gas that was going to go to Asia, and it would have gone to other countries. And so, as usual, you know, the, the poorest countries in the world, are now, you know, it doesn't matter how expensive the energy is, it doesn't make them left to buy. And so it's going to be bad for Europe. It's going to be bad for Asia. It's going to be for, bad for everyone that isn't an energy Mm, And it's going to be more and more expensive as time goes along. And, of course, you're noticing that the Russians are actually burning gas while they diminish their uh, supplies to uh, Western Europe. Uh, Interesting uh, observations this week in that regard, didn't you think? Yes. I mean, absolutely, Russia. I mean, in in the medium term, this is not good for Russian economy. To have these sanctions, to be at war with the West is not good for Russia in the medium term. But, you know, the problem with the Russians and the Department of the Defense Minister said it is that no one can suffer like they can. And so here, you know, if we're in a battle of wills of who can suffer more for the longest, Westerners will surely lose. Uh, but for me, this isn't a win for Russia. It's kind of like this. Yeah, final question to you, Heather, and the, the, the phone quality is starting to diminish again. So we'll, we'll leave it at this. Do you think whenever the next go round happens that this will be this whole business of energy, uh, the ability to export energy, particularly to allies in times of crisis, might just be a major big deal election issue? I, I think, you know, it, it's one thing to see Sri Lanka in crisis or, or Ghana or Turkey. When people see the Germans... Uh, the French, um, you know, people in Europe. When you see them in crisis, I think certainly uh, we, sh- we should be embarrassed. You know, that we there are allies at the time. We get excuses. And so, yeah, I think the next combination of, of a winter affects it all right, we'll have to leave it there, Heather. The, the quality is, is, is gone. And we do thank you for this uh, and commend your article to our listeners. It's in the National Post. It's Canada is hoarding its resources. Our allies have noticed. The author, Heather exner Perot, joining us from Southern Alberta this morning. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.